This is the Engineering Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Avi Noda. Earlier this week, I had a chance to speak with Dr. Nicole Forsgren. Nicole is the author of the award-winning book, Accelerate, as well as the co-author of the Space Framework. I thought that our conversation would be interesting to listeners of this podcast, so this week, we're deviating from the normal format to share this interview with Nicole. Our conversation covers the backstory behind Dora and the Space Framework, as well as how she's thinking about developer experience today. I hope you enjoy listening. Thanks so much for being here, Nicole. I'm so excited to speak with you today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I always, you know, I love nerding out about this stuff. Well, there's so much for us to cover, but I want to start off with talking about Dora because everyone knows about the Dora metrics, but very few people I feel like know about Dora, which is the company you started and sold to Google. Could you share more about what Dora was and how it came into existence? Sure. So this actually originated back in a research project years before. So I was a professor at Utah State, bumped into some of the folks at Puppet, uh, shout out to Alana Brown and Nigel Kirsten and all those folks. And Jane Kim and Jess Humble had been working with them. And I, I kind of bumped into, I want to say it was Alana at like Cascadia Comp, maybe it was like this cute little sysadmin conference in Seattle. And we've been talking about different statistical methods. And I was like, you know, if we change the way we ask these questions and collect the data and run the analysis, I think we could get some really good signal here. And back then, like people were not doing large scale surveys, right? So Alana had this really amazing insight to find ways to get this signal in ways that like just weren't being done. And God bless her also when I was like, hey, let me like... (laughs) join your survey. And so, because, you know, I was tenure track and back then, like you just, just are eager for data. And I was one of the very few, if not only folks, at least in academia in my field, doing this type of work because, you know, DevOps was like not a thing. They kept insisting that Agile was maybe the hotness. And so we kind of joined forces. And that was the first time I met Gina Jazz. And we started doing this work into like rigorously test and measure and understand how software development and delivery impact outcomes. And so that was like, originally it was late 2012. And so then I joined the study late 2013 and that was the 2014 state of DevOps report. And so kind of fast forward a few years and then we start Dora and we keep working together more and more. And the more we go to conferences and the more we talk to people, particularly at at larger organizations, they're like, you know, I really wish I had a way to measure my company. And we're like, we publish all of the data. Like, you can just look at it. You know where you are. And they're like, no, I want a personal assessment. And we're like, it's fine. It's right there. And they're like, no, but we want a DORA assessment. And by the way, DORA stands for um, DevOps Research and Assessment. Like, DORA is just easier to remember. And so I just wish I had a customized one. And I was like, it's fine. You could just look. It doesn't matter. Like, Baselines are fine. And then the big piece was, you know, Jez and I were chatting at one of these conferences and and someone said, especially because I want to know what I should do next. What should I do? And I, I looked as we walked away, I looked at Jez and I was like, you know, I I know how to do that. If I had enough data from a company, I know what algorithm I would use. Like there, there's this category, there's this class of algorithms, and it's not quite right, but I know how to how I would modify it and how I would tweak it and how I would present it to customers. And 
we could basically trick them into strategy because everyone like wants this maturity model, right? They all think it's going to be the same ladder and it's not. And he was like, he just paused and he kind of looked around. It was like this like cartoon moment. It was like, what? I was like, oh yeah, I totally know how to do that. And he was like, so we should do this. I was like, okay. So we like mocked it up. That was sort of the the start of, of commercial Dora where we still did all of our state of DevOps reports and, and did them all open. And, uh, and then the commercial version of Dora was sold to primarily large companies. We did have a, a few startups and small companies, but then they were able to purchase uh, customized measurements, customized benchmarks, and uh, customized, I would say, probably improvement plans. My one, I think the thing I'm most proud of is that I was able to trick people into like customized strategy, <laughs> continuous improvement. So it was super fun. And then, as you mentioned, uh, we were acquired by Google, and uh, the Google team still continues that research to this day. So it's led by Dr. Dustin Smith, who I worked with when I was there on the research side, and Nathan Harvey. That was probably the way too long version of the story, but... No, thanks for that background. Really interesting to know. I'm curious then to ask, so somewhere along the way, while you were running Dora, you published your award-winning book, Accelerate. Accelerate was published in 2018. What was the inspiration for the book at the time? And who is your target audience? Yeah, so that sort of came about because even though we were doing all of this publishing and research, like it was in my head, it was in Jez's head. Um, It was especially in my head, right? Like I could see like how the research program fit together, right? So I knew what came out in 2014, I especially knew what came out in 2015 and 2016 and what came out in 2017 and like how they all fit together. And for those of you listening, I'm like making these like wild, like <laughs> uh, gestures with my hands. I could see how the puzzle pieces fit together and how it formed this coherent picture. But for anyone else, not like point one was that they couldn't necessarily see how everything fit together into this like puzzle piece picture. And two, not everyone was reading every single report because they were also coming out a year apart. And three, like not everyone reads reports, right? Like some people assumed it was like a marketing report or a vendor report. Um, before, like some people just don't read reports, like they read books, right? So like the joke is that like sometimes you just need dead trait to be taken seriously, which is funny because in academia, in many fields in academia, not all fields, but some fields, like dead trees just don't count, right? Like only papers count. And so we were like, if we can write this book and like really synthesize everything that we found and also sort of expand on it, right? Because when we do these reports, originally we were trying to keep them to around 40 pages, but 40 pages, not a normal 40 pages, right? Like I joked that they're an adult picture book, right? Like pictures, diagrams, very large print, very well laid out so that you can like PDF or like print a single page and use it in a slide deck, in a board deck, in a conference uh, deck, and they eventually ended up being like 80 pages. Sorry. So it gave us much more ability to explain and give this narrative and background that like you just can't always do in a deck we could do in our conference talks. And so that was sort of the impetus. And then it went well. So Yeah. Well, the the book certainly took off and sort of fast forwarding to today. The Dora metrics, quote unquote, which you refer to in the book as sort of the four key metrics for software delivery performance. Those metrics have become widely adopted across the industry. There's countless vendors selling Dora metric reporting tools. Did you envision this happening when you wrote the book? That, no, that I did not anticipate. It's been really interesting to see how folks have, well, I guess it's it's maybe a pro and con, right? Because on the one hand, 
it's been great to see folks identify and understand the power of those four metrics because we were able to test and see, and they continue to test and see that those two speed and those two stability metrics are wonderful overall signal into how teams and organizations can develop and deliver software with speed and stability, right? And then I want to say 2017 or 2018, we added kind of a fifth, right, for the reliability, overall reliability and availability of systems. And that has been great. And it's nice because it's a quick signal into like how well things are going. And it's like, it's wonderful signal. And it, it was counterintuitive to what the industry had thought for decades. So that's been like really interesting. And it kind of gives you this common language, right? The thing that has been less, I guess, like also surprising, especially now that it's in a book is that it's not just four metrics, right? Because there's, so I've been saying, right, there's signal and there's action. So signal answers this question, how well am I doing? Action tells you like, okay, well, how do I improve that signal, right? What can I do? Because some people are like, well, you've got these door metrics, but they don't tell me anything. I'm like, well, yeah, like that's the whole rest of the book, right? So like, how, how do I get better, right? So we have things like continuous delivery and automated testing and improvement in process and having a culture that prioritizes information flow. Right. So that has been sort of interesting because like some folks really get it and they understand this whole holistic thing. And some folks are just like only four keys. And I'm like, there, okay. <laughs> There's so much more there. So yeah, that's interesting. That's something I hear a lot from leaders across the industry who've had sort of various experiences implementing the Dora metrics on their own. I often hear people mention the the phrase, the rest of the book, right? There's a whole another part of the book, not just page, I forget, it was 19 or 29, something like that people always referred to where the metrics were laid out. And one other, I think, trend we've seen is that there are a lot of organizations out there who attempting to build or buy sort of real-time systems for reporting Dora metrics. And at large organizations, this can take years to instrument all their different systems, consolidate the data, build out dashboards and reports. In your view, is this sort of work necessary or is there a different way you would suggest potentially drawing baselines from? So I think it can be any approach, right? The thing that I find really interesting is when people do things like value label data. And by that, I mean, they'll be like, well, you know, it's going to be really hard to collect all this data. It's going to take us two to three years, which that's right to build like full telemetry across this like full system. It's going to be a few years. And they're like, so like we could ask people, but that's just asking people, or we could get facts. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> like, since when is that facts? So I used to like sometimes give talks and I would, you know, I would turn around because people are like, they're like scared to tell me that to talk about surveys, which by the way, can I do a quick tangent here? Sorry, folks, tangent. I started my career as a developer and a sysadmin. So I was working with tons of log data, right? Like I've got a hardware patent. I was not a survey person. I turned to surveys because that was at the time, that was the only way to get this type of data. So I had to like study under folks who had expertise in psychometrics. There's an entire field devoted to this to figure this out. Anyway, so I would turn around and ask folks like, who here thinks surveys are, right? People raise their hands. I'm like, okay, you're not going to hurt my feelings. And they be like, okay, well, who here works with systems all the time? Who here has seen data in their systems, all their hands raised? I'm like, what's the problem, right? Like, it's just that we're so used to systems and seeing awful data 
that we have built accommodations that we are comfortable and familiar with. And we just assume people lie. But I'm like, why is someone going to lie about how a system behaves? We do, Unless you have like really horrible incentives around it. And then like everything's going to be bad, right? Like I'm sure we've seen that cult classic office space, right? Like you can make systems lie just like we can make people lie. Okay. Anyway, back. Thank you. Tangent end. If we refuse to accept what people say, that's one thing, right? So we can take data and feedback from both, right? And I think both are valuable, but they both have their unique and respective strengths and weaknesses, right? And so some things that we can think about are, do we need data that is super, super precise, right? For things like basic overall data, if we have no signal at all, we probably do not need to wait, first of all, we should not be waiting two to three years because if we are in the software business, creating and shipping software is, frankly, it's run the business. So we should not be waiting two to three years. And we can ask people how long, and if we're talking about door metrics, right? If we're talking about speed and stability, we can ask people how many times we deploy in a given period. And we can ask people how long it takes to ship software. We can ask them and we can ask them so the door metrics the responses are in a log scale, right? So we can ask them if it takes a year, if it takes a quarter, if it takes a month, if it takes a week, and if or if they can do it on demand, right? We're not asking them if they deploy in one second or three seconds, right? People are not going to be good at that. People are not good at precision, but we don't need precision in this case, right? Objective, so there's objective and subjective metrics. So objectives are, sure, facts, but people can give you facts. That's fine. Subjective is perception, Right. So, and subjective is also very important. It's how hard is it to use this system? And this is where you also want to pair them up because once you do get, so let's fast forward a couple of years. Now you have both. So now you don't, you no longer need to ask people, how long does it take to ship software? Because now we're getting it out of our system. But you know what we should still do is ask people how hard it is. Because if it takes an act of God to do this, if they are absolutely like chasing the train down the track and like inserting railroad ties as the train goes, sure, it's like kind of automated. But if people are killing themselves to get it done, that is also super important because to use your very smart word, right? If the developer experience is absolute trash, but you have found a way to force a cadence that you insist will be there, it is not sustainable, right? And so this is where objective, you can get objective metrics from people or systems, but you can't overload that, right? So this is also where the balance is there. You can get objective metrics from people or systems, but you can't get tons of any metrics from people because survey fatigue is real, right? People are just going to be like, a few, I'm over this. And you can only collect them a handful or so times a year. And you've got 20 minutes max, right? Like that is not going to be a thing. Data out of systems, listen, firehose dump. You can get as much data as you want. So that's like, there's a balance. Yeah, well, I want to ask you more about the use of surveys later. But one thing you mentioned that is really interesting is you mentioned that you can measure facts by asking people questions. And I think that's something I've seen often get misunderstood by engineering leaders who, as you mentioned, are so accustomed to trusting system data for hard facts about how systems behave or processes behave. And the example I always like to give people is I ask them, 
how old are you? And they share their age. And I ask, is that a fact or is that objective or is that subjective? And of course, it's a fact that they're able to answer a question to. Um, so it feels like there's still some learning about the field of psychometrics that's needed across the industry. I'm curious if you've seen the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. So I think there are a few things here, right? Another example I love to that question is your system can only tell you what your system sees, right? And so like an example I used to give with Dora, because I, I would hit this all the time, right, is I could ask finger quote, I could ask the system, I could collect you, y'all, I would be like to a company, you can ask your system what percentage of your files or inversion control but your system can only tell you or like what files are in version control. Your system only knows about the files that are in version control. Your system can never tell you about the files that don't ever hit version control. It never has visibility to the files that never hit version control. Your people can tell you about, and they can, even if it's not a perfect fact, they can at least approximate the amount of their workflow, the amount of their files that don't hit version control. No system can ever tell you it will not have visibility to the files that it never sees, that it never touches. It just can't. And like, and then they would have some like mental gymnastics around like how they could do some, some like ridiculous scan. And I'm like, go with God, but that's going to take you again, several years to collect at best versus asking a handful of people. I love that example. I want to shift topics. We'll come back to surveys and uh, their use in the software delivery measurements domain. But several years after your book was published, you more recently co-authored a framework called Space, which is this multi-dimensional way of looking at developer productivity. I'm curious, sort of coming out of your success with your book and your prior research, what was the inspiration for writing Space? Why did you feel like this was needed? Why does our industry need space? Ah. Uh. That's a great question. Honestly, it was, there were a few motivations, but I'll say the biggest was just a bunch of people kept asking me about productivity. And to this day, still every month, at least once a month, I get asked what's the one metric that matters. And there's just no such thing, right? I know of half tangent, but also very related. I know of in one field, in one subcategory, one case where they were able to reduce one const, one construct, one facet to one metric. And I want to say it's system quality, but it took them several years and several studies and several statistical analyses, but it still is like not ideal, right? Like even NSAT and CSAT, right? Like we use the one question, but there's also several studies showing that it's not ideal. Like the reasons that we use it are because it's easily communicatable, easy comparable across like many fields, but like there's just no one metric that matters. And especially in terms of something like productivity that is complex creative work that's very, very nuanced, it's just difficult, especially as our work keeps getting more and more complex. And I just, I had this conversation so many times. And so when I started GitHub and I was having these conversations and I met a handful of folks out of the uh, Saints group, I kind of pitched it to them. I was like, okay, I've got this idea. I'm pretty sure I've got the categories already. I know four of them. There might be a fifth. I'm not sure. And so we, we pulled a handful of folks together and then uh, just started writing. And on a, I guess, a personal note, I will mention that like there's a tiny bit of it that was spite driven because spite driven development's real. 
Well, one of the things that stood out to me about space is that it's one of the first sort of formal papers that discusses the use of perceptual measures, or in other words, asking developers how they feel. And to a lot of tech leaders, this seems like a novel or even somewhat controversial concept. Engineering leaders are very accustomed to measuring things like tickets or pull requests. So why should they care about the perceptual measures? Oh, that's a great question. I'm so glad you brought it up. And well, it's funny that you bring it up because for so many of us that are like steeped in this, this is, I don't want to say common sense, but this is, this is core to what so many of us do. I'll answer this two different ways if it's okay. And so one way is because I'll start both answers with, because that's how you do it. Okay. So one way is because that's how you do it. One is we need to know both objective and subjective measures. So one is we need to know like numbers about how the system is working, right? So you need to know the speed through the system. You need to know counts of the system, but we also need to know how it's working. We need to know the experience of how it's working, right? So so the example I gave about how quickly you can deploy, but we need to know if it's taking a ton of manual work, right? So we need, we need to know if there's a lot of friction in the system because otherwise we can just burn our developers out. And we know that developers, so the whole adage that developers don't quit jobs, they quit managers. Developers also quit systems, right? And you can't get any of that out of just raw numbers. And I also loved your point about pull requests, right? Because pull requests, we also, as we mentioned the space, we also want to balance, right? Because you don't just want to maximize pull request turnover time. It just can't be fast because you also have to balance efficiency and flow. We can't necessarily know that without asking people, right? What is the right amount of flow? Are you hitting that, what you would consider a productivity point? Are you hitting a flow point? Is it better for you in the morning or in the afternoon? right? And and so finding that focus point for them is super important. Okay. Now the second point, just because that's the way it's done. Now, by that, I mean, how do you even find the correct system objective measures, the, the correct system measures to collect? So I was at Google for a couple of years, um, and I was in the EPR team, engineering productivity research. Now, and I'm going to use this. So this is true many, many places. But here, I think they have, they are probably the best in the world. If not, they're definitely among the best. They're, they've got to be at least top five. How do you identify the right system measures to collect? Now, the way you do this is like at the end state, you have absolute fidelity and absolute trust among everyone, which means you collect the right measures. You only show the right measures. You have only refined the correct measures. How do you do that? You can't just like collect everything and guess and then throw them out across the whole org. You start by asking people, what's important? Where do you get the most signal? Where do you experience the most pain? No matter what, you have to start by talking to people. You have to start by looking at subjective measures. Next step, you roll that into a survey. Next step, you roll that into a handful of test system measures, right? So you kind of go through this this cadence of starting with people only, surveys only, system data, and then back and forth with system and objective measures. And then you eventually roll that out to the whole org. Now I will with uh, system metrics. Now I will mention even at Google today and places like Amazon and Netflix, 
even when you have system-wide, large-scale, uh, let's say, I'm finger-quoting, system-only metrics, at least once or twice a year, you still use survey metrics to validate, to triangulate, to follow up on new new trains of thought with surveys. And if at any point the survey data and the system data disagree, survey data is always taken as true because just people don't lie. People don't actually have incentive to lie about this. And I will say in every case that I know of at Google, anytime there was a disagreement, the people data was correct. Well, that's so interesting to hear how companies like Google use a combination of system and survey data. I know when Space was published, everyone was trying to figure out developer productivity. That's, as you mentioned, you were getting asked at least once a month. It's been just over a year now, and developer productivity, I think, is still an elusive problem. But there's also this new thing called developer experience. In your perspective, what is developer experience and why does it matter? So I think they are highly intertwined, right? And if it's okay, I'll even add in one more, which is developer happiness, because uh, developer productivity is sort of, it can be a bad word, right? Because as we've seen coming out of uh, the pandemic, uh, productivity can really feel like surveillance, right? And so I think we have this wonderful opportunity to think about finding ways to create optimal experiences and optimal environments for developers broadly defined to get their work done, where developers includes developers, testers, IT ops, SREs, right? Technical workers and technical knowledge workers, right? To get their work done. And so sometimes I say <laughs> developer happiness because it's not like we're trying to like turn the crank on productivity, but like I'm happy when I can get my work done. I'm happy when I'm productive. And so what does that mean? That means having a better experience, right? So that's where I think developer experience really comes in because it's part productivity because I can get my work done, but it's not productivity for the sake of just burning me out. It's a superior developer experience. It's a friction-free experience. It's an interruption-free experience when I want it to be interruption-free and when I want to be able to focus, right? It's having tools that do not get in my way. It's having environments that allow me to do my work, but also allow me to collaborate when I want to collaborate. I love that definition. Well, of course, at DX, at our company, we're focused on helping companies understand and improve developer experience. We're so excited to have you on the team. This is shameless, but I'd love to ask you why you're excited about what we're doing at DX. I really like this question because it reminds me of a bunch of the questions that we have, a bunch of the discussions that we have. And I think it's, for me, it really kind of comes down to a couple things. One is that developer experience is just super important right now, right? Just in general, because for anyone who is building software or working with technology, right? This developer experience is important for everyone to be thinking about and for everyone to really have a pulse on beyond just intuition right? Like we really need to have a way to think about it and talk about it and have good insight to in a systematic, repeatable way, right? So I think that number one, and we've seen this especially have a spotlight shown on it over the last couple of years, right? I think COVID in particular, like brought this, it's called an opportunity <laughs> to like show how important it is for the developer experience to be really important, right? 
like we knew it was important before <laughs> you and I used to have these discussions, right? But now like we really know how absolutely critical it is for companies and not just like it's important, but like it's important for run the business. And two, the second piece was that how you do it, right? No one else does this the way GetDX does it. Like I can kind of like break this down into a few areas. Like one is this, the rigorous approach that you take in general, like rigor period, but then also the balance between rigor and practicality and approachability because rigor is important, but if rigor is buried in detail that no one knows how to use or no one knows how to, you know, reach or read, that's just super hard, right? And so the fact that it's easy to use, it's easy to read, anyone can access all of this data and and make sense of it, I think is also super important and thing something that's kind of near and dear to my heart, right? With all of my work with Dora, that was one of my like kind of core just principles that's just kind of ingrained in me. Um, and then, you know, something else that was also important to me that I loved was that you found a way to do it in a way that was quick and easy, which also kind of went back to this, you know, DX concept, right? Was that it was quick, it was easy, it was almost like a pulse survey, right? And and that's so important because when we think about asking for time, right? How can we be super respectful of anyone's time, right? This like five-ish minutes is great. And just, you know, as an aside, right? A 20, 25 minutes is usually about top end. And so being able to do this in a repeatable way in about five minutes, also in a rigorous way, that's a really tough thing to do. And I think that's wonderful, right? Because that is just kind of core. And so, and like, you just don't see folks you know, like I don't see anyone else who can do it this way and who can do it well. And so kind of, I would say that's, that's why I was super excited to join and see also what's next, right? The opportunities are like really exciting and, and it's really important. So, and you know, the reason I went into all of this, like all of the work that I'm doing is to see how, I guess, like to be like bonus, bonus answer is that, you know, everything that's really important to me and all of the work that I've done is finding ways that we can make developers lives better and really like that's what the developer experience is about right so and you know improving things for developers and for organizations and so you know developer experience is like and and get the access like kind of right in that little sweet spot so well thanks so much for that nicole and we're so excited to have you on the team it's been awesome getting to hear more about your story and your perspectives on developer productivity and experience. Thanks so much for speaking with me today. Yeah, thanks for having me.